series on the Holy Spirit. You guys been getting something about this series about the Holy Spirit? We called it Fresh Air, talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, the importance of the Holy Spirit in our life. So we're going to continue that today, talking about the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're going to start in Acts 1 in verse 8. Happy Father's Day uh, to all the men in the house. And uh, we honor you today. I think this message can go along with Father's Day. So uh, we're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit today. Acts 1 in verse 8. Acts 1 in verse 8. And we're going to read from the New King James today. Acts 1 and verse 8, it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Notice, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Let's look at 2 Timothy. Let's turn over to 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy 1. Now, you didn't lose your shout, did you? Okay, just, just checking, just checking. 2 Timothy 1, and we're going to read there in verse 7. 2 Timothy 1 in verse 7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Notice God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power and love in a sound mind. If you're taking notes today, the title of the message is Power in Love. Power in Love. Now, we're talking about the Holy Spirit in your life. And I know we've been talking about him uh, quite a few weeks, but he is the most important person to you in your life. Uh, he, he's the greatest gift that God ever gave you was the Holy Spirit. And uh, he's so important. There's, there's no way that I can fully articulate how important he is to your life. He's amazing. He is God. He is the God who lives in us and through us and gives us the strength and ability to do what we can't do in our own strength. And he is so important to our life. If you've been here the past several weeks or listened to the podcast, you, you understand Jesus said that I'm going to send one who's just like me, who is God, just like I am God. And he's going to not just be with you, but he's going to live in you. And he's going to be your helper. He's going to be your comforter. He's going to be your counselor, your intercessor, your standby, your encourager. He's going to be all those things to you. He's going to be your best friend. And he is God. He is the Holy Spirit. And he is so important to our lives as believers. And every person on the planet needs to know about the Holy Spirit. That's why we've been preaching about the Holy Spirit this past a month or so about the importance of him in your life. He's so important. And I want to talk about two things specifically today that he brings into our life and it's power and love. It's power. Everybody say power, power. and love. love. Everybody say power, power. And, love. and love. So God, through the Holy Spirit, comes into our life and he brings these two things. He brings power and love, power and love. And that's what we're going to talk about today is power and love. Really, these two attributes of the Holy Spirit he brings into our life when he comes to live on the inside of us. And how many know these two things describe God is power and love? God is all powerful. Can I get amen? But he's all loving. Really, the two best words to describe God is he's all-powerful and he's all-loving. Now, it would be bad if he was all-powerful and he wasn't all-loving. 
we would be in a bad way. Or if he was just, he just loved us, but he didn't have enough power to help us do anything, we would be in a bad situation too. But notice, God is all-powerful, and he is an all-loving God. And when the Spirit of God comes on the inside of a believer, the two things he brings to us is power and love. Now, we could talk about different things, and we have these past several weeks, what the Holy Spirit does for you. He helps you. He reminds you. He encourages you. He's your best friend. He does all these things for you and with you and in you, which are important. Now, don't forget those things because we, we didn't even have time to talk about everything. But he brings into our life power and love. Power and love. Power and love. And we need power and love to live a successful life on this planet. We need power and we need love. Now, we need to be people that believe and not just one or the other. We need to be people that are both and Christians, not either or. And that's what a lot of things in the Bible are like that. It's not, let's not get on different sides. It's actually both. I'm going to be honest today. In the church world, most churches either side with one side or the other of the Holy Spirit. So you have the churches that are probably not so much like us that don't really believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. They're not spirit-filled churches. I'm not saying they're less than us. I'm just explaining. And they emphasize the love part. Jesus came to help you love people. And to be honest, those kind of churches love people better than churches like ours. All right. Okay. Why? Because they emphasize the love of God. And they emphasize that God came to give you love, supernatural love, divine love. So, so they're on this side, which is not bad. But they emphasize this side, but they don't really talk about the power side. The Holy Spirit just came to make you a more loving person. And they love people better than some churches like us. So then you got us over here. Pentecostal, charismatic, spirit-filled people. And we emphasize the power of God. So we emphasize the gifts of the Spirit. We emphasize miracles. We emphasize healings. We emphasize deliverance. We emphasize the spectacular things of God, but we don't talk a lot about the love of God. So we have power, but not a lot of love emphasized. Both are wrong if you just go off in one direction without the other. And we don't need to be on either side of it because it's not either or, it's both and. And believers should be full of power and full of love, not just one or the other. Because what you have is a lot of people over here that love people so much, but they don't believe in the power of God. So they just love you. I love you, but I can't help you because I have no power in my life. And over here we have a lot of people with power but nobody wants to be around you because you're not that loving. I can get you delivered, but I don't even want to hang out with you because you're not loving. I can get you healed, but I don't want to hang out with you because you're not that loving. So who cares if you have all that power without love? I think Paul said that in 1 Corinthians. He said, what if I gave all the stuff I have to the poor? What if I moved mountains with my faith? What if I had all the gifts of the Spirit's Spirit, and I, I used my faith, and I used the word of knowledge, and I healed people, and I had miracles, and I did that without love. It means nothing. That's what the Bible says. That's what Apostle Paul said. If I did all those things without love, meaning you could do it without love and still do it. 
it would mean nothing. So we need to be not either or Christians. We need to be both and. Both and. You know, it's the same debate. You know, we're not talking about this today because we don't want to get in a big uh, theological argument. But the people that emphasize the free will of man and the sovereignty of God. People side up on either side. Really, it's not either or. It's both and. Is God in control? Yes. Do we have a free will? Yes. That's the answer to the question. But people want to take sides to bring division. And, you know, the enemy plays with the body of Christ like that in churches to get people in division when it's not either or, it's both and. Is it power? Yes. Is it love? Yes. Do we need to train believers and teach them the word of God? Yes. Do we need to reach lost people? Yes. But people take sides when it's not either or, it's both and. You get what I'm saying this morning? So we need power and we need love. Let's look at Acts 1 in verse 8. Acts 1 in verse 8. And we're talking about power and love. And I believe that the men of this house, some of the fathers in here, will receive something from this message. And also at the end of service, if you're, if you're not paying attention right now, you do get a gift. So you can at least give me a few minutes to talk. So Acts 1 and verse 8. Acts 1 and verse 8. This is probably one of the most familiar passages pertaining to the Holy Spirit. Spirit-filled churches love this verse. And it's an important verse because it says in Acts 1 verse 8, he's talking about when the first disciples of Jesus received the Holy Spirit. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be a witness to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. Now you can't just say power. Power. You shall receive power. You got to say power. Power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall receive power. Now, how many of you know believers that walk around all the time? They're good Christian people. They love the Lord. They love Christian radio. They love the Christian bookstore. They love the Lord. But they walk around with no power. But Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You realize that's why people make fun of Christians because they see a group of loving, nice people that have no power to affect the nation. They have no power to affect people. They have no power to influence people. So they're just like, well, that's sweet. They're nice. They're loving. They're not hurting anybody. Just leave them alone. But that's not the Christians that Jesus came to bring. That's not the Christians we see in the book of Acts. They're not just nice, sweet, loving Christians. They are loving Christians who have power that were affecting their nation, their country, and it said they turned the world upside down. Why? Because they had some power with them. They had so much power that the Roman government, which was the most influential government at that period of time, they ruled the world. The Roman government and the emperor himself were intimidated by Christians. And not because they had more guns and not because they had more people, it's because they had power. 
the Roman government was intimidated by these early believers because they had power. That's why you read the book of Acts and people are getting thrown in jail for healing people. People are getting thrown in jail for delivering people. People are getting thrown in jail just for speaking the name of Jesus publicly. They're getting thrown in jail. Thrown in jail, not written something bad about on Facebook. Thrown in jail. They were killed. They were stoned for saying the name of Jesus. But they realized they couldn't stop them because they had power. They had power. And it says in the book of Acts, they changed the known world because they had power. Not just because they loved people. That's a part of it. We're going to talk about that later. We're talking about the power side first. But they had power to change things. You realize if the two point something billion Christians on the planet ever woke up to the fact that they have power, this world would be completely different tomorrow. Completely different. But the true facts are majority of those two billion some believers don't walk in that kind of power, don't believe in that kind of power. And so that's why the world stays the same. That's why we see what we see on the news every day. That's why we see violence. That's why we see wars and rumors of wars. That's why we see terrorism. That's why we see countries doing these things to people. That's why we see racism. That's why we see everything we see is because you got a bunch of people that don't have any power. But we're not powerless. We don't need to forget that. Acts 1.8 says, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power to be a witness. Power to do what you're called to do. Power to change your world. Power to do what you can't do in your own strength. And this kind of power is divine power. It's divine power. When he says power, he's talking about divine power, not just human power or human might or human energy. He's talking about divine power. Now, that word power in the Greek is the word dunamis. The word power used is the word dunamis, where we get the word dynamite. The word dynamite is not weak power. The word dynamite is not something that doesn't make much of an impact. Dynamite changes things. If you know anything about some little boys, some fireworks, and a creek bank, you know dynamite changes things. Can I get amen in the house of God? Dynamite in the wrong hands is explosive and scary. And notice what he uses, the word dunamis, to describe the power of God that he's giving all of us that are believers, the Holy Spirit. He will give us dunamis, which is dynamite power, explosive power, mighty power. This word dunamis means mighty, explosive. It even means the word ability. God came to give us ability. His power to do what we can't do in our own strength. He came to give us explosive, mighty power. Not timid, not fearful, not hiding, but explosive, mighty power. And do you know that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, even if you were like that before, He can change your personality. 
The bigger question is, who said your personality was right in the first place? Because the word says that when the spirit of God comes on you, he will change you into another person. He will change you into another person. How does he do that? By his power. His dynamite, explosive, mighty power. Come on, are you getting something so far today? So we need to think about this the next time we're in situations that are hard, that are uh, scary, that are fearful, that are things that there is no way like we just sung about. We need to remember that all along, even though the outside seems to be overwhelming, know all that time that inside there is dunamis power living on the inside of you. There is mighty, explosive ability of God living on the inside of us, whatever we face. The reason we get intimidated and fearful is because we forget that that dynamite power is on the inside of us. And we're looking outside, but God put the answer inside. We're looking for God to come rescue us from the opposite end of the universe, but God put the power on the inside of you. And it's explosive, dynamite, mighty power. God came to give us power to do what we can't do in our own strength. So all of us who are believers in here, the Holy Spirit, when he has come upon you and when he lives in you, the power that's residing in you is mighty explosive power, his ability, his strength, his power to do what you can't do in your own strength. I'm going to give you a couple examples of this. Uh, We see that in the Gospels that Mary, before she had Jesus, God picked her out and said, you're going to be the chosen one to have my son. And she said, okay, let it be done according to your word. And it says in the the Gospels that the power of the Holy Spirit came upon her. Notice to do what she couldn't do in her own strength. You realize you can't have the Son of God in your own strength. You can't. And it says, notice, the power of God came on her to do what she couldn't do in her own strength. The power of the Holy Spirit came on her to help her have the ability to birth the Son of God into the world. We see Jesus in his walk on the earth needed power. Jesus, who is God, it says in the book of Philippians, put away his divine privileges as God, and he walked as a man. He walked as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. He didn't walk this world as God. He walked the earth as a man. Now, he didn't do that just for his sake. He did that for your sake. Come on, where the Pentecostals at? He wasn't doing those things to show you what he could do. He was doing those things to show you what you could do. Because he wasn't walking as God, even though he was. He put away his divine privileges and walked as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit of God. And that's why he could say, the same works that I do, you can do also. Now, how can we do that? Because you have the same Holy Spirit he had. Exact same. No less. And it says that Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit in power. Jesus did no miracles till the Holy Spirit came on him. 
when he got baptized by John, it says that the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And the father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. But until that point, Jesus did nothing supernatural. He did nothing powerful until that point. But when the Holy Spirit came on Jesus, he began to walk in power. And then you see the rest of the Gospels, what did Jesus do? Everywhere he went, he healed people, he delivered people, he teached people about the kingdom of God, he saw blind eyes open, he saw deaf ears opened, he saw people raised from the dead, he changed the world in three years with the power of the Holy Spirit. Even in temptation, Jesus was tempted 40 days in the wilderness by the enemy. Tempted face to face with the devil for 40 days. No food. And he was tempted. And it says that after that temptation for 40 days, he came out of that temptation in the power of the Holy Spirit. Look it up. 40 days of fasting and being tempted. Now, most of us would say, take me to the emergency room. I need some IVs in my veins because I've been fasting for 40 days and tempted. And you would be done. You would say, take me to the, the emergency room. I don't want to talk to anybody. Get me some food. I need help. But Jesus came out of that temptation for 40 days with no food. Now, one day without food, you guys are losing it. 40 days without food, being tempted face to face by the devil. And he came out of the temptation. Now, he came in with power, but he came out of the temptation in the power of the Holy Spirit. Like nothing ever happened. Now, how could he do that? The power of the Holy Spirit. And notice that's the same power you have and I have. The book of Acts, the early church, we read about and we read all the things that they did. They didn't do any of those things until the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. They didn't heal anybody. They didn't deliver anybody. They didn't change any city or country until the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. And they received power. And realize that's the same power that you and I have. It's the same power. The same power that Jesus had, the same power that the disciples had, is the same power you and I have. Now that should encourage you. Same power. That same dunamis, dynamic, explosive, mighty power is living on the inside of all of you right now. Right now. The same power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That same spirit. What does it say? It dwells in us. Same one. If we ever woke up to the power of God in our everyday life. The same power that got Jesus out of hell in the grave. Is the same 
power that goes with you to school. It's the same power that goes with you to work. It's the same power that goes with you to church. It's the same power that walks down the street with you. It's the same power that is in the hospital room with you. It's the same power. Come on, are we getting something this morning? And it dwells in you. I'm not telling you about all these people and all these things so you could say, look at them. I'm saying, look at you. Because the same spirit that they have is the same spirit we have. The same power they have is the same power we have. Jesus came to give us power and love. Power and love. The Holy Spirit brings us this divine power to do what we can't do in our own strength. He gives us power to be a witness. We've been talking about that. He gives you power to be a witness. A witness in your world to tell people about the goodness of God. He gives you that kind of power that before that you would have shied away, you wouldn't have said anything. You don't want to stand out. But when the Holy Spirit gives you power, you can't keep it quiet. You can't stop from saying something. Because the power of God is explosive on the inside of you. In the same way that Peter, in the book of Acts, just a few days ago, he denied Jesus to a middle school girl. I don't know Jesus. Nope, never met him. Jesus who? Nope. People were questioning him. Hey, do you know Jesus? Other people were around there. No, no I, don't, I don't know Jesus. The same Peter that denied Jesus before a little girl is the same Peter that in the book of Acts, when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, got up in front of the whole city of Jerusalem with thousands and thousands of people from all over the world and he wasn't stuttering and he wasn't scared and he stood up and was bold and proclaimed the news about Jesus and it says on three that day 3,000 people got saved that day. Now what happened? Scared Peter denying Jesus. Standing up before thousands of people, proclaiming the gospel, knowing that if he associated himself with Jesus, he could get killed. And he didn't care. And his boldness and his power noticed 3,000 people got saved on the first day of the church. I don't know about you, but that's a good altar call. 3,000 people in one service. And it was his first one. Man, what kind of confidence does a preacher have when the first message you ever preach, 3,000 people get saved? I'm pretty sure the first message I ever preached, first of all, I made no sense, my voice cracked, and probably most people laughed. You're laughing, but it's hurtful to me. There's CDs, there's footage of it. It's, it's scary. On his first message... 3,000 people got saved because of power. Let's look over at Romans 5. You guys with me today? (laughs) 
Romans 5 and verse 5. So we're talking about power and love. Everybody say power Power. and love. love. So Jesus came. He sent the Holy Spirit to us. And when he came on us and in us, we received power. Dunamis power. Dynamite, explosive power. The divine power of God. And we should be people that walk in the power of God. Before we read Romans 5, realize that the power of God came on you to be a witness, to help you live this Christian life that you can't live apart from Him. But I like to say it like this, just real simple. It covers everything. The Holy Spirit came on you to give you power to do whatever, underline that, whatever God has called you to do. The Holy Spirit came on you to give you power to do whatever God has called you and anointed you to do. He came to give you the desire and the power to do His will. And the Holy Spirit comes on you to do whatever God has called you to do. And the reason I'm saying that is because I don't want you to put the Holy Spirit's power in a box. The Holy Spirit can only give me power to do this. No, He can give you power to do whatever you and I are called to do. He can give you power at your job. He can give you power to get through school because Lord knows we need power to get through school. He can give you power to be a witness. He can give you power to overcome temptation. He can give you power to preach. He can give you power to be a business person. He can give you power to make money for the kingdom of God. He can give you a power to raise your family. He can give you power to be a husband or wife. He can give you a power to do whatever God has called you to do. Whatever. Everybody say, whatever. Whatever. Underline whatever. God gives you the power to do whatever he's called you to do. Well, we got one person that believes it, and the rest of you are looking at me. All right. (laughs) I'm joking. So God gives us the power to do whatever he's called us to do. And realize, when I say whatever God has called us to do, I'm not just talking about what happens in the church. That's one tiny, tiny portion of your life. I'm talking about whatever he calls you to do every day. At your job, at your school, in your neighborhood, wherever you're at, God gives you the power to do what you're called to do. Romans 5 and verse 5. It says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, hope does not disappoint because, notice, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. It says the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. We need to be believers who are full of power and they're full of love. Full of power and full of love. God gives us divine power, but he gives us divine love. They have to go hand in hand together. If you're going to be a real believer, 
And that's the way Jesus walked the earth. He gave us this example. How did Jesus walk in this earth? He walked as a man full of power and full of love. Full of power and full of love. And when the Holy Spirit comes in us and upon us, we should walk in that same way, full of power and full of love. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You guys want to hear a story? I've told this before, but I like to tell it. The Holy Spirit pours out the love of God in our hearts. Miss Jenny, I'm sorry. The Holy Spirit pours out the love of God in our hearts. So think about the love of God. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And we all in here need refills. <laughs> because you know when you deal with difficult people for a, a long extended period of time, you need some refills because <laughs> difficult people <laughs> take a lot out of you, to say the least. Um, <laughs> difficult people can drain the love of God out of your love tank. No matter how nice and Christian you are, <laughs> your fake Christianese can only last so far when your love tank is dropping. And then the real you comes out and you slap somebody or you cuss at somebody because you really cuss in your real life, but you just don't cuss at church. So it says, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts, in all of our hearts, by the Holy Spirit. He's the one who poured the divine love of God into our hearts. He, he poured it in, in the time that we received the Holy Spirit. But life drains the tank. People drain the tank. That's why you have to go back for refills. And the more time you fill are uh, with the Holy Spirit, He fills your love tank back up with the divine love of God. Have you ever heard this said before? You know, somebody's acting grumpy. And you're like, you need to go spend time with God. Now, why do you say that? Because you know their love tank is getting empty. Go hang out with God so He can pour something good on the inside of you. So, Refills. You need some refills. You need some refills. Now, I've been to a couple fine dining establishments in my life. Not Golden Corral. Uh, Ruth Chris. And some places like that. Morton Steakhouse. Stony River. The thing about those places is they don't even let your drink get below half. They come rushing back to the table. And I drink a lot when I'm at. Not liquor. I drink a lot. Just had to clarify. I drink a lot when I'm at a restaurant. I go through the Cokes and the waters or wherever's there. I drink a lot. I don't mean to, but I drink a lot when I'm there. So they're always coming back. And sometimes people get so frustrated, they bring the whole pitcher and say, here you go. I'm not coming back anymore. I've had it. I've had that happen. Tired of running back and forth. 
But I've been at places like a Ruth Chris or, or a Stony River, something like that. And they will fill your cup up before it ever gets low. Or they will even sometimes, you took one sip and they move it away and put you a new one down. I was like, hey, I was just working on this. This was just starting to taste good and you took it away from me. Nice restaurants do it like that. They fill it up when it gets low. They don't let it go below half. Now, I've been to another restaurant before. And this one day particular, I'm not shaming this place for the rest of my life. But it happened to be the year that we were filming a Steven Spielberg Oscar-winning camp promo. It's called Jonathan Creek promo. Look it up on YouTube. For summer camp, we were in downtown New Albany all day in the heat. And we were so parched. We were so hungry. So guess where we went? We went to El Nepal because we needed something quick and good. We went to El Nepal on Grantline Road. Not Sellersburg location, Grantline Road. Now, I believe they repented and are different by now. But we sat down. We ordered our food. We asked for large waters. We said, we are so thirsty. We've been out here all day, and we haven't drank any water. Now, we weren't smart. We were teenagers. We didn't drink any water all day, and it was 100 degrees outside. So by the time we got there, we needed water. We ordered no water. We're hungry, slamming chips and salsa. And I feel like on purpose they put the spiciest salsa known to man. No water. No water. And then it continued. We're watching the TVs in El Nepal. No water. Chips and salsa. No water. We're all contemplating going to the restroom turning on the faucet and drinking some water because we're so thirsty. We get our food at El Nepal. No stinking water. I don't know what happened to them that day. I know they're better by now. But whatever happened that day, they finally, after we got our food, we were halfway done with our meal, they finally brought the drinks. It was a sad day. But the reason I'm telling you is the Holy Spirit's not like El Nepal. He's like a good restaurant. He's like a good restaurant that before you even get low, he's coming to fill you up again. He's not going to let you go through a whole meal and not have water. He's not going to let your love tank go down low. But it's not going to happen unless we're spending time with the Holy Spirit so he can fill us up again. So it says the Holy Spirit has poured the love of God in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. But we all need refills in here since the first time we got filled. You know, we talked about being filled with the Spirit. We've talked about that at our church many times before. Be filled with the Spirit. That's not a one-time thing. It's not a one-time thing. Be filled with the Spirit. It happens when you receive the Holy Spirit, but it should continuously happen. 
Some translations say being filled with the Holy Spirit, meaning it's an ongoing thing. That the Holy Spirit doesn't just fill you one time at the altar and you speak in tongues and that's it. You need refills. And not just weekly refills. You need daily refills of the Holy Spirit's love poured into your heart. Come on, are you getting something this morning? All right, stop thinking about Father's Day meal and start thinking about this message. Like, Elma Paul, that kind of sounds good right now. So, the Holy Spirit pours the love of God in our heart. In Galatians 5, it says, the fruit of the Spirit, what's the first one? Love. The first fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life and my life is love. That's the first one. The first fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, What is fruit of the Spirit? You could say result of the Spirit. How do we know you're Spirit-filled? The first thing is love. A lot of people don't talk about that. Because a lot of of people think Spirit-filled just means gifts of the Spirit, I pray in tongues, I'm acting wild in service. No, the first fruit that you're a really spirit-filled person is love, not tongues. Is love, not gifts of the spirit. Is love, not outward emotions. It's love. Fruit of the spirit means it should show up in your life that the Holy Spirit's really living in there. My favorite line from dad's story about him getting spirit-filled is this. When he went to the pastor's office, he was spirit-filled. And all of his friends that weren't were complaining to this pastor. And they were arguing with him. And they were mad. And they, were, they weren't being nice at all. They weren't walking in love. He said when they came to him and they told the pastor, I got all the Holy Spirit I needed when I got saved. The Holy Spirit said, well, if you do, where is he? What was he saying? If he's really in there, there should be some fruit in your life. If he's really in there, if you say, I got all the Holy Spirit I got when I got saved. Well, if he's really in there, there should be some fruit. And the number one fruit is love. The number one results you should have in your life is love. But let me ask you an honest question. For most spirit-filled people, is that the first thing that people see in our lives? No. A lot of times it's not. When the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the number one fruit is love. That he's really in there. People are going to see something out here that the Holy Spirit's really in here. And if they don't, then I question whether the Holy Spirit's really in there. Because if you say that God himself is in me and moving through me and the spirit of God's in there, it's going to show up on the outside. It's going to show up in, number one, love. And it says that he's poured his divine love in us by the Holy Spirit. He's poured his divine love in us by the Holy Spirit. Let's look at 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7. 
You guys getting something today? I know I'm doing some teaching, but it's, it's good for us to hear. The Holy Spirit came to give us power and to give us love. Divine power and divine love. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this. 2 Timothy 1.7. It says in 2 Timothy 1.7, Notice, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. Notice, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but it's implied He gave us another spirit. God didn't give us a spirit of fear that comes from the enemy, but He gave us another spirit. And that other spirit gives us power and love and a sound mind. Come on, are you picking up what I'm laying down this morning? And so when God comes into your life and He brings the Spirit of God, He doesn't bring fear. He doesn't bring hate. What He brings is power and love in a sound mind. Power, love, and a sound mind. He brings power and love into our life. And I want to say this um, kind of as we're closing today. I know we got some things to do before we leave, is this. This message is for all of us today. All of us need to to hear what was said and realize that the Holy Spirit has brought power and love into your life. But I want to say this, especially to the men and the fathers in this house, that just like Jesus walked on this earth, he walked in power and love. And he was a real man. And as men and fathers, we need to walk in these two things, power and love. Power and love. I want to say it like this. Dr. Summerall, uh, he said this, and Dr. Summerall was a great man of God, traveled the world, uh, did so much in his lifetime. And, And Dr. Summerall, he knew all these great men and women of God in his life. And on one of these CDs I was listening to by him, He was talking to men and fathers specifically, and that's what I want to say to you right now. You guys listening? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Got a little bit more umph. I didn't even hear nothing. You guys listening? Okay, there we go. Yes, sir. Come on. Yes, sir. (laughs) So, Dr. Sermon was talking about what men and fathers need, and he said, that every man and father should live like Jesus lived. And he gave this example. He said, Jesus walked on this earth with power and love. But he said, Jesus was a lion and a lamb. Jesus was a lion and a lamb. Jesus is the lamb of God, but he's also the lion of the tribe of Judah. The lamb of God stands for the love of God. But the lion of Judah stands for the power of God. And he says that every man should have those two things in their life just like Jesus did. They should walk as a lion and as a lamb. Love and power. If we really want to be like Jesus. And he would tell stories about men like 
uh, Smith Wigglesworth and Howard Carter and all these generals of the faith. And he said, in the service, you could see the anointing and spirit come on them and they would turn into a lion. They would turn into a different person. They would be intense and they would be uh, fired up and they would almost seem angry, not at people, but at the devil. But he said, outside of the pulpit, they would be a lamb. They were some of the most loving, sweet, kind people. And I'm challenging you men and you fathers in here, you should be a lion and a lamb. Full of power and full of love. But Dr. Summer also said this, he said, but you need to know when you should be a lion and when you should be a lamb. He said, when you're at home with your family, guess what? Now's not the time for the lion to come out. You need to be a lamb. You need to walk in the love of God. But he said, when you're facing the enemy, you need to be a lion. When you're dealing with things as the head of the home, you need to be a lion. But when you get around people that you love, you need to be a lamb. And every one of us in here needs to have those two characteristics in our life. Power and love. Lion and lamb. Why? Because that's the way Jesus lived. And how many know we all are trying and on this path and process to become more like Jesus? He's the example. And if Jesus was a lion and lamb, if Jesus was full of power and love, we should be also. Did you guys get something today?